The following content has been provided by RWTH, Aachen University. All right, so then next to the style, uh, to the big widget um, uh, library, the, the UI toolkit, we have style guidelines. They support the consistent look and feel, um, and they typically do this with document guidelines. So they um, oftentimes uh, rely basically on, uh, on developer discipline. So you can make a style guide simply by giving people a book or a PDF along the UI toolkit saying, this is how it should be used. And that's actually how many um, user interface toolkits do it. The problem is that you are now relying on developers to read that thing. And we know how developers love reading documentation that they don't absolutely need to finish their project. So an interesting example from, from, the, um, from Apple's early days, when they, since they were the first ones that had to actually support a commercial developer community out there that was building graphical applications. Right? Nobody had ever done that before uh, the Mac came out. Um, so Apple decided to actually not just publish these human interface guidelines, this, this is like a, a massive book that you're supposed to read as an Apple developer, um, but they also included, uh, you could say, pressure from both Apple themselves and from the uh, later the user community. What Apple did is they literally sent out people, evangelists, that went around and told people how to build good applications and that explained the style guide to them, explained to them why things are supposed to work that way. Well, it was kind of necessary back then because nobody had ever written a graphical user interface app. It's not like today when you guys all, you know, just by taking a Java class, you already start building a simple graphical user interface and you're used to it and you've used one all your lives. Um, so that was one thing they did. And later on, what happened is because there was so much sort of you know, disciplining going on from the side of Apple is that all the applications that came out were pretty consistent in the way that they worked. And so the user community, people who were using Macintosh apps, got used to that. And later on, if you were trying to write an app and you would you know, make it exit by pressing, I don't know, control X or something, then you know, it gets scathing reviews in all the magazines because you know, it could do whatever it wanted, but it wasn't following the standard guidelines. So people had a fairly high expectation of consistency on the platform. You can also, uh, you know, the, the, the guideline is good, the book is good, you can also limit refinement and comp composition. For example, you can build your user interface toolkit so that it is programmatically impossible to add a button into a menu, right? Because you really don't want that to be done. So there's ways to programmatically avoid certain combinations, um, and that helps then to guide users uh, and guide application developers into the right direction. And believe me, I've seen enough examples, uh, and you probably have too, of people building websites where they are displaying text that is not supposed to be changeable, but they put it into an editable text field. Right? So it's, it's, it's inside the, I think, GUI bloopers or web bloopers book. Um, it's one of these examples. So limiting these kinds of things um, sometimes makes sense. Containers also control many aspects of the look and feel, right? That's also a way you could say, I'm only giving you those containers. For example, um, Java is famous or infamous, you could say, for the fact that it will not let you position stuff pixel, uh, pixel precisely, right? Because it always said, we're gonna be running on all kinds of different platforms. We don't want you to nail down things exactly to this location in the screen. So it gives you these ideas of, this is gonna be to the east of the window and to the west of the window. Um, and it just gives you these relative positions and it will take care of the detailed alignment. So that's another way of doing it. Um, this is just providing containers that provide a limited way of doing the look and feel. 
of course, all these things limit the flexibility of the application developer, um, and that you know, might be necessary to keep them from doing bad things. User interface design systems often are um, another thing you can use to enforce style and to support the right style guides. For example, if you are arranging um, user interface components in uh, an interface build on the Mac, and you, you, you drag a button into an empty window, that button will actually close to the edge, but not at the edge, a couple pixels away, it will actually sort of, sort of latch in place. And it will give you a little dotted guideline saying, this is a really good place to put a button. If you really, really want to, you can push it all the way to the edge, but it will look ugly. And you know, this, this, so the UITS is helping you by basically taking the guidelines, encoding them into live sort of graphical editing support, if you want, like guidelines and, and, and edges and so on. Um, and that's a way to help developers not make mistakes. If you then take a second button and push it underneath the first one, what happens? You've done it? Um, yeah. Uh, it works. Obviously it works, but you don't really know which one will be pressed. No, I mean like you have got one button in your interface, you push a second, you drag a second one, and you start moving it up to underneath the first one. Oh, it, yeah. Um, it will show you, uh, it will uh, recommend you some spacing Exactly. At some point, it stops. It says, like, this is a really good place for the second button beneath the first one. First of all, they're all aligned on one end, uh, on the left. And then also, uh, you know, it will keep you, whatever, so many pixels of space between the two. Um, and then if you put the third one up, it will give you the same spacing. So, you know, it's trying to help you to do a decent job in the layout. Okay. Um, what types of user interface development systems do we have? Um, some especially early ones, used to be language-oriented, which means you are writing special language uh, that defined the user interface. I'll show you an example on the next slide. And then a compiler would read that text, kind of like source code, um, and would implement, uh, basically check the constructs and could implement the style guide by making sure you're not doing something you're not supposed to do. So it could see, oh, you're trying to put a button to a menu bar? Not a good idea. Today, we're actually mostly looking at interactive tools, user interface design systems, not languages, that are like complex drawing systems that let you define the look of the user interface. Um, specifying the feel of the user interface is much harder graphically. It's easy to arrange buttons so they look nice, but how do I make sure that I can specify what happens when I press a button? It used to be that you always had to go into your source code to define the feel, the actual behavior of your interface, so anytime a button got pressed, you had to go in and find out what ID that button has in your interface description, and you had to use that ID num number in your code and say, if that button gets pressed, then I want this to happen. Today, user interface design systems also sometimes allow you to specify that graphically. So literally drag a line from a button to a piece of code and say, execute this code when that button gets pressed. Um, Automatic descriptions also exist. Some systems try to create a user interface automatically from an abstract specification. So you might say, I need an interface that lets the user adjust one continuous value and two discrete values, uh, make an interface. And for very simple toy examples that works, for anything more complex, these interfaces usually look really ugly. You can kind of tell that they've been created automatically. There is something about user interface design that is actually very hard to capture in code. Um, and so this is still an area of mostly active research. And uh, if somebody tells you, oh, we'll just create interfaces automatically like for all 
mobile and, and desktop and web platforms and they'll all look really great. I'd look at a couple examples before I trust these people. Um, here's an example of a language-oriented UIDS, uh, again taken out of uh, a plist here. We can see we're seeing, again, um, uh, a, a Chrome global skin definition here, and that says, here's the title, orientation, and um, uh, something, uh, oh, the, user, the, the XML user interface language, I think, the description for this window ID. So uh, XUL is called, it's, is, uh, pronounced XUL and it's sort of used to describe the user interface of, of things like, like Firefox and Thunderbird. Uh, so what you do here is basically you're specifying your widget hierarchy in XML and your uh, rendering engine then goes ahead and renders these things um, for you. So we've actually here defined essentially a window with two buttons in it, normal and disabled, where the disabled uh, button that says disabled is also actually uh, grayed out so it's disabled here as a, as a, in, in the flag. So this is a way that you can describe buttons um, that you know, things like Firefox, for example, use. Language-based. Um, interactive, this example is taken from, uh, straight from Interface Builder. We have a program here. So this is basically your, your library of, of components that you can drag in. This is the interface you're building for temperature converter, of course. Um, and we currently are actually doing something that's not just uh, dragging buttons in and putting them somewhere, but we're actually defining the connection from this button to code. So we drag this converter, uh, we drag the line from this convert button here to something called first responder, which uh, defines in code um, what should happen when this button gets pressed. And what happens then in, 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 in Interface Builder is that a list pops up of functions that you wrote in code earlier, and it lets you select which one you would like to actually execute. So in this case, we're selecting probably something like convert temperature here. All right, um, we'll see this in more, example, uh, in more detail when we, when we get to, to uh, Mac OS X. In summary, this concludes the discussion of our reference window system. It, I know it was pretty dry and sort of theoretical as a, as a model because it's never a real existing system, but as we go through these existing systems now in the next couple of weeks, we'll always come back to this reference model and it'll, model and it'll help you understand how people made certain design decisions. This content was provided by RWTH, Aachen University.